What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I'll be honest. Uh, normally I say it's going pretty well, but it's been a sad couple days. Indeed. Not just in uh, our little world of Atlanta sports, but in the uh, world abroad as well. So. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to put some content out there. Yep. Hope it can provide some decent distraction uh, for those affected by the recent events in Las Vegas, uh, Puerto Rico, all the hurricanes, Harvey, Irma. Tom Petty lovers as well. Tom obviously. Petty lovers. Uh, yeah, it's been a, been a rough couple of weeks for everybody. Um, months going back to the, the hurricanes. So um, on that somber note... <laughs> We hope to inject some humor and, and insight into your lives with uh, this week's episode. And we have a lot of stuff going on here in Atlanta um, since the last time we spoke to you guys. We missed the... It's uh, all bad news, though. So. It's all bad news, so maybe we won't inject any humor into your lives and you'll continue to be miserable pricks. But <laughs> we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so we had... Um, we, we didn't cover the Lions game, so we're not going to go into that. We'll just y'all, skip it. You guys know what happened. happened. Yeah. Um, but we will go into... Um, Everything with Dennis Schroeder uh, to John Capolello resigning to the Falcons' loss to the Bills. So we got a lot of stuff to get through and um, little time to do it. So let's get started. Before sir. we get started, yeah. should we? There's got to be one positive note in Atlanta sports. Should we save it till the end? Uh, if you know of it, please. Yeah, we'll save it at the end. Oh, I got one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got one. We'll we'll, we'll wait for it though. Okay. Well, we'll start this week's show with. Um, the resignation of the Braves general manager, John Coppolella, after, what, three, four seasons of him being the general manager, starting the, this great uh, rebuild. Um, he would never qu- call it that. He always wanted to remain competitive. He also was never competitive. Was never competitive, and apparently was doing tons of shady deals under <laughs> the table for um, international miners to sign with the Braves. And I will say, just my first thought, is this a big blow for uh, stats guys? Yeah, because Capoella was a was historically the a new stats age. guy. Yeah, I mean he still tried to strike that balance between old school baseball ideology and and, and analytics and advanced stats and things like that and uh, sabermetrics, if you will. So now the question is, would we have been better off had Frank Wren and his old school uh, just trade for the best free agent still been around? No, because I thought that was a shitty approach. And I think even though Capoella made some bad moves, Alex Wood move sucked. I still think the Anderson Simmons move sucked. Because he's a once in a lifetime, um, once in a generation kind of player, from a defensive standpoint. And even though Newcomb profiles to be a very good pitcher, um, I don't think it was worth it to give up Mandy. Before we get into the ins and outs of his deals and what have you, I guess it's important to say what exactly is going on. And currently, it's still a little, uh, not totally one hundred percent clear. Like Graham said, we do know he got into some shady dealings with international signing international players in terms of the one, the story I heard was a, I was talking about Maiton, Kevin Maiton, who has been compared to Miguel Cabrera, Chipper Jones, pretty much anyone who's worth a damn at third base, and Miguel Sano. So he's all those guys wrapped into one. So, but he's supposed to be an amazing prospect. So so I just heard I just heard a little tidbit about him, like like living in an apartment like a couple months before he was supposed to be able to be signed and like basically the Braves were paying for that. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so it, it kind of reminds me a lot of like what you hear with like in the NCAA. Yeah, especially with all those college basketball uh, investigation. Yeah, going with on your boy Patino. Yeah, yeah. Patino being a dumbass like he always is. So basically, it was Coppola kind of just skirting the rules and I don't know. Yeah, they, it's, it's thirty-six close. year old guy kind of get into this huge position. I guess he kind of just felt um, on top of the world and like these rules didn't apply to him. Well, I think you know. A lot of these organizations, and not to say everyone's corrupt, but I'm sure everyone does things like this. Everyone's a little dirty. Everyone's a little dirty in I think professional just... sports and in, obviously, NCAA is like the dirtiest place imaginable. It's like a fucking sewer out there. But, um, yeah, it's quoted in the in the story on ESPN. Um, uh, the Braves announced via press release, they said, uh, there's a breach of Major League Baseball rules regarding the international player market. And Gordon Blakely who's a special assistant to Coppola, also resigned. He was the international scouting chief. So clearly there's a lot of shady deals going on um, in terms of, I think, budget allocation, in terms of the amount of money they're spending on guys. It's still hazy in terms of the uh, specifics. But long story short is that, um, you know, apparently this is just according to uh, Jeff Passano, I think who reported this originally from Yahoo Sports, said this is just the tip of the iceberg and that more things are going to come out. We're going to look even worse. And as an organization, this puts us in a really precarious position because um, we have a lot of good international prospects, Kevin Mighton being the, the top. He's 16 years old, and he's like a top 50 prospect in all of baseball, according to Baseball America and, and all these other things. I mean, all these other publications. Take from that what you will, but he was supposed to be a stud, and we're probably going to lose him and most of our international players that, that copy signed during his time here. Yeah, and let's hope that's all that happens. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to lose draft picks as well. And who knows what other kind of regulations they're going to put on us, mm-hmm. thanks to Copy getting ahead of himself here. Yeah, and uh, so John Hart's going to take over in the interim. And they're already talking about hiring a new GM, though. Well, they're already on the the the, the search for a new, signing a new general manager, but in the interim, Hart's going to take over. Um, what I don't understand is why. The two other Johns, John Hart and John Scherholz, have allowed this to happen. They have to, you know, you would think they would know what he's doing. Oh, that's a good point. And why, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're all taken out because, I mean, Hart's the president of baseball operations. Yeah. I mean, he's a, technically above. He's his boss. He's technically above uh, Coppolella. So, I mean. That's a good point, man. Yeah, I don't know why, you know, he, his ass isn't gone and why no one's coming down on him. And if this is just the tip of the iceberg and this is an organizational-wide, you know, controversy and they've broken who knows how many rules, I mean, who knows what the repercussions could be. It's a a real dark time for Braves, not only with the product on the field, uh, you know, major league level, but also in the the front office. Yeah, I wish it were just as simple as the GM resigning and we move on with our lives, but that's not going to be it, so. Yeah, and you could also think that, because Hart's still there, right? And, you know, we were, we did not report, but we heard reports of uh, about a month and a half ago of there's a lot of inter- uh, internal turmoil within the organization before all this stuff came out with the international signing uh, controversy or rule breaking, what have you. Um, so then you got to think, what if Coppola was made to be the sacrificial lamb, you know, in a sense to get rid of him? I don't know. I mean, it's all speculation right now in terms of the specifics. Sounds like a lot of people disliked Coppola personally. Yeah, yeah. Which is where that terminal starts. Right. 
But then again, all this info is coming from like sources outside of the organization and like the form of other GMs. That's where these reporters are getting all this info. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, apparently all... he was not well liked by anyone. Uh, other GMs, people within the organization, rubbed people the wrong way. And um, he fleeced him on multiple deals too. Yeah, especially the in Arizona. It's probably all just coming from that guy. Well, who knows? And, you know, uh, one source, I think, in that Jeff Passan article on Yahoo Sports, I think, if I recall correctly, was saying it was really uh, fucked up in there. That was his exact quote, like, in terms of the organization. So, to me, the the sort of try to wrap this up, it's just kind of like all this has happened under either John Sherholtz or John Hart. And... When Wren was GM, Scherholz was president. Now, when Coppola was GM, um, Hart was president. And it just hasn't worked. And the old guard needs to be washed away. We just need to stop this shit. I mean, I, you know, it's gotten to the point now where we're, we're, we're breaking so many rules that it's going to really affect the organization moving forward. I kind of feel bad for Coppola, though. Why? I don't know. The guy turned down, like, like baseball was his dream, like, to be in this position. Like, he had his dream job. Yep. He turned down, like, six-figure jobs with, like, IBM when he was, like, 23. Mm-hmm. Super smart dude to go, like, be an intern with the Yankees. Then he worked his way up through baseball, which is not an easy thing to do. Nope. Gets his dream job at 36. Just went a little too hard. And he, now he's he's probably banned. Like, he's not going to be in baseball I don't again. think he's ever going to be in baseball again. It's a, it's a damn shame because you can tell the guy had a lot of passion, regardless of what anyone thinks about him, you know. He was a straight shooter, and he was kind of unlike a lot of GMs in baseball where he was very upfront, very forward with his thoughts on what he was doing, the deals he had conducted, all these things. Um, so he was a breath of fresh air, even if he made some poor moves at times. He still he, he did help revitalize the organization, and I think the effects, the good effects of what he, he did, I think will still be felt uh, many years from now because he is – established, I think, a, a good enough nucleus, and especially in the minor leagues, to hopefully bolster and improve our chances moving forward of contending for a championship. And he went about it in a way that wasn't – you can say it was the Braves way because it's like going through pitching, but at least we were taking a risk. We weren't just doing the same old shit anymore. So I'll, I'll commend him for that. And I know John Hart had something to do with that as well. But, you know, I don't feel bad for him in the sense because he clearly knew he was breaking rules. You have to know that. I mean, you got to know the rule book as a, as a GM. I mean, it's not like he came out and was like, oh, this is total bullshit. I mean, he knew he fucked up and it was, it was done. Yeah. So. Yeah, if it got bad enough to the point where he had to resign, he, he knows. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that and, and keep you all posted on anything else that comes out uh, around this. But it's going to get worse before it gets better. Absolutely. And that's uh, quite unfortunate for an organization who's just kind of mired in mediocrity right now at the professional level. And now mired in corruption. At least we have the second best stadium in Atlanta. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so moving forward, let's do a little uh, Falcons recap for you guys. So Falcons lose the Bills on Sunday, 23-17. to 17. Um, Never really could get anything going. I know the Bills have a very good defense. But with the exception of the running game, I thought both Devonta Freeman and particularly Tevin Coleman looked like an absolute monster out there. Nine carries for 79 yards, averaging almost nine yards of rush. He was tremendous. He was also big in the receiving game with four receptions of 65 yards. And Freeman did a good job, got a touchdown. Um, you know, other than those guys, we looked really flat. Well, the injury bug 
definitely caught up to us. Julio was out in the second quarter, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then we lost Sanu in the beginning of the third quarter. So that leaves you with, well, Gabriel, I guess, is your number one. But yep. Gabriel, Justin Hardy, and Nick Williams. Gabriel was just historically bad yeah. in this game. No, he, I don't know what his deal is. He was on the field for like 70 snaps and didn't have a single catch. The, the thing I was confused about in this game overall, and, and you know, we turned the ball over and made some stupid moves. It's like we were running the ball down their throats and then we started throwing it too much. And it's like, why not just keep running? I, mean, I know you got to mix it up a little bit, but it seemed like our, our, our play calling was really stupid. There's one particular play, uh, I think it was the first Matt Ryan interception, where it was second and one, it's like midfield, you got plenty of time, and they decided to take a shot, like, 50, like 30, 40 yards downfield to, to Gabriel. Gabriel is covered the entire time. There's absolutely no, and he's well, only 5'8". He's shorter than both of us. Yeah. There's no chance he's going to get the get a jump ball against this guy. And it's like, just get the first down. We're, we're already hampered on offense with losing Sanu and Julio. Just keep running the ball. It's working. Short passes. I, I don't understand I don't, I don't disagree move. with taking your shots. And that play, if... if but he was covered the whole time, wasn't he? No, if, if Matt Ryan had released it like a second earlier, yeah. there was a chance. I don't know. Matt doesn't have the big arm to get it out there. I, I just thought it was there's a lot of poor play calling by Sark, particularly at the end of the game. We had somehow the defense, even though they're still missing a lot of tackles, particularly uh, Duke Riley looked horrible. Yeah, he was really bad. He's apparently the worst, one of the worst tacklers in terms of pro football focuses stats. Uh, one of the worst tacklers at the outside linebacker position in the NFL, and he it seems like he just misses all the time. He gets good penetration. We can't seem to wrap up, and he's like going for guys' chests, and he's not going low and going. But for you can the see he's got the talent there. Oh he's, yeah, he's going to improve. As I'm not the saying year goes I'm, on. Not, I'm not saying like he's a bust or anything. It's just like we, we are seeing a. Uh, it's a little sloppy. Yeah, a little sloppy, and, and, and some groin pains happening. But it's like even with three turnovers, we have the ball at the end of the game. It's it's like third and one. We're in the red zone. There's like 45 seconds left. I don't think we have any timeouts. But we could we could do a run and get the first down and figure out what we're going to do. We decide to throw it. Doesn't work. Fourth and one. We decide to throw it again, and it's a terrible pass to Gabriel. He's completely covered. He has no chance to catch the ball, and the game's over. And it's just like our running game is killed, killed, killed the whole game. Particularly Coleman. Why not give him the ball in that situation? Did you hear the worst part about that play at the end? Yeah, the the Bills only had 10 players on the field. Yeah, which makes it suck even more. Yep. Um, but that worked out for us in the Super Bowl, throwing the ball and not running it, right? Oh, yeah. So why not do it again? Yeah. And it's like, I don't understand why Dan Quinn can't see that. I know he's not calling the offensive plays, but he's got to be like, guys, we just need a yard and our running game has been killing it. Why can't he? I mean, I don't know. I, didn't, I mean, it was Matt Ryan's call at the line. Like, they had an audible to a run play on fourth and one, mm. and he thought that they had the slant. He thought that they thought he thought that they were blitzing. Mm-hmm. It looked like blitz, so yeah. they thought the quick slant would do it, but they weren't actually blitzing. So yeah, that was the kicker. Okay, I didn't hear that, but I mean, yeah. I just think you got two chances, one yard. You got to run the ball, especially because it's been working. Like you can get a yard. This is like the one thing. It's like that the offensive line has been doing well, even without Schrader, still doing really good run blocking. They're not as great with pass pass protection right now, especially without Schrader, so it's like, just, just fucking run the ball, please. I, I don't get it. And and so many drops. So many drops. The drop, yeah. The, the play calling, that's 2020 hindsight. I mean, I'm not going to get too worked up about that. But there are a lot of drops. The Matt, drops. 
Justin Hardy. Justin Hardy must have had like three or four drops in this game. He was atrocious. Yeah. Even though he caught the only touchdown. But that was lucky. Um, it really don't, didn't look good. And the, and the game kind of changed this one play with Matt. I think it was in the third quarter. We were on a little drive. And Matt drops back to pass. He's trying to throw it. He gets hit a little bit. The ball is kind of coming out of his hands. But he still has his control over it. And he throws it. And it goes like seven, eight yards up the field. It's incomplete. The Bills pick it up and run it back to the end zone. The referee is signaling incomplete in the backfield. But for some reason, it's like, nope. The guy just is able to get it, go score his touchdown. It's called a touchdown. Matt is also hit late on the play, which should have been roughing the passer. Um, so it was total bullshit on all sides. And but the, I mean, the, Well, if the, it's a fumble, there's no roughing the passer. I guess that's true. Yeah. But with them replaying that play, I still don't. Us here at Atlanta Zone did not understand how that was a fumble. My, my favorite part about it, too, is Trent Green, as we like to call him, the all-American white boy, was like, oh, there's no way that this is a fumble. Yeah. And the other commentator whose name escapes me right now is also like, yeah, this, this, is, this is an incompletion. And, uh, which, which was the ball game. It was a huge momentum changer. Yeah. And, we, I mean, we lost by six points. They got their seven there, obviously. I mean, so that, that, that's what really killed us. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, even though you can, we can point out that play, we didn't look good the whole game with the exception of the running game and no. the defense at times. So it was a really bad week for the offense. Um, let's hope that, you know, Julio can, is hopefully going to be back. This, the bye week couldn't come sooner. I didn't like the bye week being a week yeah. five, but now I love it. Yeah. Because hopefully we can get back um, Julio and maybe Courtney Upshaw can come back. There's talks of Vic Beasley being able to come back. Then I don't want to rush him, but if he's ready – Fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, Sanu's out for a couple weeks at least. I think it said two to four weeks of the hamstring injury. And then it was announced that Jack Crawford today is going to be placed on the IR, one of the uh, rotational defensive linemen. So we're, we're banged up a lot more than we were last year. And I think another thing, especially defensively, because we were getting beaten a little bit in the, the passing game, is Ricardo Allen, our, our safety, was out, and he normally yep. does the, you know, the assignments on Big defense. Balls. Yeah, and uh, he was out, and so it was uh, Keanu Neal's turn to, to call plays. And it seemed like we were getting beaten a lot by Charles Clay um, and you weren't, others. You weren't very happy about that when that no, was happening. No, it was terrible. And, like, we're getting beaten by Charles Clay in a pedestrian Buffalo receiving core. Uh, you know, Charles Clay is 112 yards. Um, you know, he's pretty much made up almost all of the passing He's offense. their tight end, right? Yeah, he's their tight end. And... Um, so that wasn't good. And they, they, they really did a good job controlling the game on the ground with McCoy and Tolbert. So even though that was a bullshit play on that, we did not come to play, and the Bills deserved to win the game because they actually, you know, gutted it yeah, out and, on the road. And uh, the Falcons looked like they were sleepwalking. I know you were at a wedding on Saturday night. I was wondering if you saw any of the Falcons there because it looked like they had a fucking party uh, all night. They were, they were in, part of that open bar, huh? Yeah, and we're in recovery mode. Yeah. That's what it looked like. I mean, uh, they, everyone just looked slow except well, for the running back. Well, so did the crowd at the – the bend there, like yeah, like they didn't look like didn't look like the seats actually filled up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think people are just wandering around checking out those two dollar hot dogs and getting those free fountain refills just, and forgot I, to sit down in their seats. I think it's a, also a thing where it's like um, the PSLs, man. You know, and normally, you know, sometimes you don't have the rowdiest crowd at the dome in early regular season. But I mean, I've been to plenty of regular season games where it's 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 rocking and rolling and. Yeah. I don't think you're getting totally the same client base that you're used to because of these damn PSLs. I know it's a lot of corporations, and it's not the everyday man. Yeah, and so 
I think that's certainly contributing to there being some empty seats there. And uh, fairness, we're talking about one game here, but even still, yeah, it, it, it's not good. And it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it was funny. I heard today that the Falcons have lost all of the games heading into a bye week under Dan Quinn. So I don't know if they were like in vacation mode already or yeah. or what, but or looking ahead and overlooking Buffalo yeah. as an opponent. But I mean, it was ugly, but it's not something to. Lose our minds about right. Are you like, are you worried about Matt Ryan at all? No. Who's worried about Matt Ryan? I know some people are. Some people are calling for his head already. Well, people also want to like fire Sarkeesian already, where he's got a top five offense in the league. Yeah, like, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. It's I, absurd. I will say that these interceptions this week, as opposed to the interceptions last week. Well, at least one of those were off someone's hands on in the Detroit game. No, this game. Oh, this game. Yeah, that is just that that. That pass to Gabriel felt like a very 2014 Matt Ryan kind of play where he just, you know, was forcing it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not too worried about Matt. I think he's going to be fine. Um, he's an MVP quarterback. I'm not worried about Matt Yeah, Ryan. I'm not worried about him either. I know the Colin Cowards of the world will, will destroy him for this, but I think he'll, he'll be back and That's he'll be fine. That's just them trying to get clicks on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll be okay. I think the bye week's coming out a good time. We face a very, face a very beatable Dolphins team out by so I, I I think we'll we'll bounce back and come out with a lot more swagger, um, in this next game. So I'm not too worried, but I think it's a good time for the bye. We get some guys healthy and uh, see what we got. It did hurt. Forward. It did hurt with all three other teams in the NFC South winning. Yeah, so, so the, it's it's going to be a tough division like we thought from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these teams are pushovers. I'm still worried about the Bucks a lot. I'm excited to see them Thursday night against the Patriots, see what they got going on. Yeah, that'll be a good test. And the Patriots look very beatable right now with their defense. Oh, yeah, they're atrocious. Um, so, I guess the only other thing to touch on is that I know the Falcons are working out some uh, defensive linemen right now. I'm just wondering why we don't bring back uh, Franey, good old Dwight Franey. Yeah, he's ready, man. Yeah. I mean, it'll take him a couple weeks whenever we do get him, but now we've seen, them, seen the time. Yeah, I don't see why not at this point, but, you know, we're not in charge of uh, those decisions. No, we are not, Graham. On that point, we'll move on to the uh, the one positive in Atlanta sports. The Atlanta United. Yes. They're in the playoffs. They are kicking ass. I know we've gone on like a solid uh, probably two to three months without talking about the best team in Atlanta right now. But, yeah, they're officially in the playoffs, uh, which is exciting. Because according to our soccer source, that means that there will be some playoff games at the Benz, which will be an insane environment based off the one game I've been to. Yeah, why don't you tell uh, the users about your experience at the at the Great Anus? Yeah, so it was cool. Like as we've discussed on the show before, I'm like many of the Atlanta folks who haven't grown up watching soccer, or only starting to follow it now because of the United, which. I know true soccer people kind of scoff at, but I mean, I think that's how you get into something, you know? Sure. Uh, it's a reason to support it. So we went to a couple of weeks ago, we got a group together to go to the game that was sold out, the largest crowd ever for an MLS game, over 70,000 at the Benz. And it was really exciting. So it was my first time at the Benz, and I wasn't expecting to be like awestruck. I kind of expected the same reaction that I got at SunTrust. Where I was like, "Yeah, like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I get why this is better." Mm-hmm. But like, it was I was truly like, just like, "Holy shit! Like, this is absurd!" 
and we just got standing room tickets, which if you ever go, it's the way to do it. They're much cheaper. You can get much closer. Um, but yeah, the first goal and that place just like the big train whistle and like everyone's just losing their minds, high five. And it's just, it's a different vibe than a lot of other sporting events you see in Atlanta and just the entire game. Everyone's hundred percent into it. Not like these, this past Falcons game where the seats were empty half the time. So yeah, it was cool, man. Yeah, no, that sounds great. What about, uh, what aspects of the stadium stood out to you the most in terms of, um, I guess, was it the architecture? Was it the, the booze? Was it the restaurants? Was uh, It was the architecture. So yeah. we, we pretty much just stayed. There's the big uh, window to the city is what they call it. And that's where a lot of the standing room is. So we kind of just hunkered down there. We didn't even explore too much. But like when we got off, we took Marta down there, got off at Vine City. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, don't get off at the Georgia Dome. That's where oh, everyone gets off. Get off at Vine City. Take eh? one more stop. Get, get off at Vine City. But like coming up the escalator and just seeing poor little Georgia Dome <laughs> next to this massive Mercedes-Benz stadium, or as Hugo likes me to call it still, the Dome. <laughs> um, it was crazy just how much bigger it was. Yeah, no, it looks like an unbelievable facility. I'm yeah. looking forward to eventually getting in there. Uh, but the United, since they've moved there, I think have won every single game they played in there. Yeah, they, they've put up crazy goals too. Yeah, one 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 game seven nothing, another game four nothing, um, beat Philly three nothing. Uh, they, they just you know, and we know nothing about soccer, sir, or we know nothing about nothing really. But I mean, at least we can say we played other sports and watched them for a while. Like soccer, you know, you can only say so much. But they looked they've looked very impressive in the way the offense has pushed the ball up the field. That's that's I know that's their mo is just constant offense and a relentless onslaught keep the ball on the opponent's side of the field and every game of possession Graham yeah every time they've played there the atmosphere on on the television has been incredible and they just looked they just look so jacked and so just on point and just this relentlessness that you just love to watch and it's really it hasn't it's been infected the city for a while but it's it's starting to infect me even more and I'm I'm starting to follow it more and watch more games so I mean I'm looking forward to the postseason when is uh you know when the postseason starts I do not. I know they still have a few games left. Yeah, uh, looks in the like regular season. Looks like they have. Um, as we pull up our schedule here, looks like we got two games left after tonight's game against Minnesota, uh, against the Red Bulls and Toronto. So <clears throat> uh, that'll be the Red Bulls, I believe, are the uh, number one team in the league. That'll so be good. That'll be a good little test. Yeah, definitely. But uh, if, if you guys haven't watched it yet, I just feel like I'm so happy for Arthur Blank and all of this. Um, it just got, I mean, he did so much for the city of Atlanta with the Falcons and like once he took over, that's when the Falcons really got huge with, you know, that he made season tickets so cheap at the dome and then brought in Michael Vick and it was just a different atmosphere yeah. once Arthur Blank was involved with the Falcons yeah. and like for the United to take off this quickly, but there's a video of him, uh, before that same game I was at like hammering in the golden spike. And it's just like Arthur, little Arthur climbing up onto this. What, what is the golden spike for those that don't know? I don't know. It's some big spike. Oh, it's just like this <laughs> giant so, spike. Before every around. game, it's generally like, I, like I think the first game, it's been like Atlanta local celebrities like taking a sledgehammer and mm-hmm. just dropping it on this massive spike and the whole crowd loses their mind. So like Arthur's doing it and like beforehand, he like takes his big, his uh, 
sledgehammer is like waving it over the, his head in front of the crowd, and they're just losing his mind, their minds chanting Uncle Arthur. <laughs> and then like he takes one big hit, and the whole crowd goes, "Hey!" And then another smack, "T!" Another smack, "Ow!" And then they just lose their mind. Nice. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely check great. that video out. Um, but something to get once again, something to get excited about in the city of Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, according to our soccer source, Arthur Roach, this is a team that legitimately like has a shot, a shot to win a championship. Yeah, and this one would actually feel like a championship, not on the same as like the Braves winning, but a lot more than our lacrosse team winning. Right, the, uh, the Georgia Swarm, which, the Swarm, yeah, which the Six Eight fans will not <laughs> stop playing commercials of. And their tickets are like $25 to go to those Georgia Swarm games, by the way. Oh, I'm sure they're cheap. It's abs- No, well, I would say that is expensive. I expensive. Feel like professional. Would you pay $25 for oh, lacrosse? No. no, not at all. Exactly. I wouldn't pay anything for lacrosse. <laughs> okay. you, have to, you have to pay me to go to a fucking lacrosse game. <laughs> Got it. So, anyways, that's something positive for our week. Yeah, so two games left in the regular season, and then it's on to the playoffs. So, hold on to your butts. Um, what else we got, Graham? I don't really have much else. I think in closing, it has been interesting how the Falcons have won games this year, uh, with the exception of the Packers game. I think they looked a little uneven through the first quarter of the season. But that's not to say that I'm really concerned. I think the uh, you know if you were to look at this time last year, I don't think anyone was thinking, oh, this team's going to make a run in the Super Bowl. Or, I, th- I think yeah. the, the targets on our back is a completely new dynamic. They got new coordinators got some things to work on the good news is is that even though we've committed three turnovers the last two weeks we were in both games and we won one of them so i think you just got to iron those out and and we'll, and we'll be good and, and, and get, and get, get healthy. healthy and get healthy and get healthy of course you know, getting ryan schrader back is going to be really important on the line getting vic back on the defensive line is going to be important julio of course um we can't forget about sanu so i think a combination of continued preparation continued practice and uh, getting healthy, I think we'll be in a good spot. I still think we're the best team in the NFC when we have our shit together. We just got to nice. get it together. Yep. There you go, Graham. Yeah. I appreciate hearing that from you. Yeah. Trying to stay positive. Yep. That's all we can do. Yep. A lot of uh, DC liberals out there are starting to, I know, at work are starting to uh, shake in their boots a little bit. After one loss? I just had one loss just after the season. Now yeah. it's kind of gone off to a bumpy start. A lot of shouts, a lot of thoughts of, oh, we could easily be one and three. Instead of three and one. Well, you know what? We're not. That's the thing, right? And that means we know how to win. So, yeah, and back off, whoever these people are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell them that for me. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. Um, they'll be like, who the hell is that? Speaking of uh, backing off and just the Falcons' general stance of not backing down, in honor of Tom Petty this week, i like to end the show with... Won't back down. He's not going to sing it, though. We're just going to play it as we uh, as we end the show. Yes. Um, so thank you all for listening and making us part of your day or night. Have a good one. Rise up. Conquer. What's the Atlanta United saying? United conquer. Uh, what did the Braves say? Anything? I don't know. Chop on. Chop on. It's terrible. <laughs> and the Hawks. True to Atlanta. <laughs> Chop on and illegally sign some international players, Atlanta. Yes. Hospitalis. Hospitalis. Okay.